Hey, turn your Bibles this morning. 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. As you're making your way there, how many Arkansans in the room? Let me see your hand here. Hey, you've got a big election on Tuesday, and I want to encourage you to vote. Exercise your Christian duties. Lots of big things going on in Arkansas right now. You're trying to decide if men can marry, women can marry each other, or men need to be married to women. So it's a big things out there. We've got some voter information on the table. Pick something up. Texas is going to vote again next Tuesday. So uh, early voting this week. So let me encourage you to uh, get yourself informed and, uh, and educate yourself what, on, uh, on the issues. Information is, is in the lobby. Well, we've been talking uh, the last few weeks in a series called Voices. Can you say voices? voices? I had a voice speak to me this morning. It is at 6.30 when my alarm went off. And the voice said, hit the snooze button. I had another voice at 6.40 saying, hit it again. I don't mean these were audible voices that you hear. And when I'm in this series, when I'm talking about voices, I'm not just talking about what we hear in our ears but I'm using this term to talk about those that influence us, be they voices from the Bible itself, be they a spiritual voice, as I've talked about the last couple of weeks. Our enemy, the Bible says, the devil can speak to us. And I don't mean in voices that you hear when you're ear per se, but as I taught you two weeks ago, Satan came to Ananias and Sapphira, and somehow the Bible says he caused them to lie. We learned also that week Adam and Eve were tempted. We saw how the tempter somehow began to speak to Eve, that same voice you hear in temptation today. It is an influence on your mind. In naturalism, that is, that belief system, the worldview that says there is no God and everything that is can be in this circle, does not believe that there are spiritual forces in the world. There's no God, there's no devil, there's no demons. Hence, there's no influence outside of what we understand with the microscope and the equation. But the Bible says very clearly that there is a demonic influence, a voice that speaks to us. Last week, I talked to you about the voice of accusation. It's that voice that brings condemnation and shame. And then we talked about the voice of offense. Remember how Judas, Satan was able to manipulate Judas to causing him to literally betray Christ for a, a sum of money and he, because he got offended. Well, today I want to talk about uh, the people that we allow to influence us. Every one of us are influenced by people in this world. We're influenced by school teachers. We're influenced by our friends. We're influenced by the voice on the radio. We're influenced by the voice of the rock star. Uh, we're influenced by the voice of the politician as they try to sway us in their direction. Voices influence us. In Proverbs 13, 20, the Message Bible says it pretty cool. It says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Hang out with wise people, you'll be wise. You hang out with a fool, your life will fall to pieces. Which simply means if you hang out with the right people, if you listen to the right people, chances are your marriage will be better. Chances are you'll be living in a nicer home. Chances are you'll have a better job. Your company will be more successful. Chances are you'll be more at peace with yourself. If you listen to the wrong voice and the wrong voice says, uh, hey, look, man, it's no big deal. We've only had a couple beers. Let's go get some more. And you know you've had more than a couple. You've had a couple times, too, and you shouldn't be driving. But the voice says, come on, man, let's go on a ride in your new car. Punch it. And all of a sudden, there's blue lights surrounding you. How many know you just listen to? Yeah, and they're out there everywhere. They'll speak to your marriage. They'll speak to you in terms of political decisions you make. They'll speak to you in terms of your interpersonal skills, your business decision. The wrong people will influence you in the wrong direction. So it's pretty simple, the message tonight or this morning, that if I listen to the wrong voice, I'll make the wrong choice. If I listen to the right voice, I'll make the right choice. Let me help you as we talk this morning about voices 
and choices. 1 Kings chapter 12, and let me say this, it makes a difference who you listen to. Someone will influence you, and you'll make decisions that will affect you for the rest of your life. I'm here today because influences of, of people that I trusted and believed in that brought me to a place educationally, a place relationally with different pastors, and a door opened up to me. But if you listen to the wrong voice, your whole world can be affected. Now hear this, particularly you that are young. 1 Kings chapter 12, it's at a time in Israel's history where they were at the top of their game on the out, outwardly. Under King David, the nation was united. The 12 tribes of the nation of Israel formed one nation. They were strong economically, politically, uh, every, every way. They were strong. But then uh, under David's son Solomon, he built this huge temple. And, and Solomon, the wisest man in the world, and the nation continued to grow. But towards the end of Solomon's life, he began to listen to the wrong people, made some dumb mistakes. And now his son is coming on board. If you can imagine, this son is becoming the king of the nation. Well, his name is Rehoboam, and he went to Shechem, where all Israel had gathered to make him king. Mind you now, millions of people are represented at this gathering. Uh, the leaders basically said this to, to Rehoboam. The leaders of the people said, verse 4, Your father was a hard master. If you would lighten the harsh labor demands and reduce the heavy taxes that your father imposed on us, we're going to be your loyal subjects for life. In other words, the voice of the people through their representatives was, Hey, Boss, lighten up a little bit. If you will just make things a little smoother in America today. Don't stop beating us up. You know, don't, don't try to take all our money. If you will just lighten up a little bit, then we're going to be happy campers here and everybody's going to get along and you can be the king and we'll follow you. Well, that was the, that was the story. Now, verse 6, King Rehoboam discussed the matter with older men who'd counseled his father Solomon. So now he's asking advice. And I want you to listen to this story. He's going to listen to two very different voices Voices of the older elders and voices of his young friends. And he asked the older guys, hey, what's your advice? In verse 7, the older counselor said, if you're willing to be a servant to these people. And I want you to listen to the language because we're going to come back to it. Because this was good biblical advice. This was, it was the counsel of God. It was the voice of the Holy Spirit through them. If you'll be a servant to the people, if you'll give them a favorable answer. In other words, lighten up and lower their taxes. How many would say that would be good in America today? They'll always be your loyal subjects. But verse 8, Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men, and he asked the opinion of his young friends. In verse 9, what is your advice? In verse 10, they said something to this effect. This is what you should tell those complainers. Verse 12, three years later, Rehoboam spoke harshly to the people. He rejected the advice of the older counselor, and he followed the counsel of the young advisors. Well, verse 16, it's quite predictable as we look back. When all the people, the millions of people realized that this king had refused to listen to them, here's what they said, down with the dynasty of David. The heck with you, king. The heck with what your daddy produced. We don't want any part of it. Go back to your homes, O Israel. In other words, millions of people, go back home, forget the king, and you look out for your own self, Rehoboam. Now, that may just sound like a history lesson to you today, but here's how it was. Their nation was at the strongest it's ever been in their history. Uh, their nation split apart on that very day. It could have been that this guy could have had several million people following him. Their strength could have regained itself. But lo and behold, two tribes went, no, uh, two tribes went south, ten tribes went north, and the nation was split in half. 
Uh, this man and the nation never realized her national prominence again. And this man never, never had the, the opportunity of influence that he could have had if he'd have made the right decision that day. And can I tell you, the exact same things happen today. If you listen to the right person, if you listen to the right people, these kids that were on the stage, they just graduated from high school, they're going to college, somebody is influencing them. If the right person, for example, what I told them, I said, if you will continue your education, listen, life doesn't really start until you're in your 30s. 20s is the decade of development. Uh, listen, Jesus started at 30, David started at 30, Joseph started at 30. You develop yourself in the 20s. You get as many degrees in education and experience as you can. If they'd listen to my voice, one day, they'll be at the top of their game and they'll say, boy, I sure am glad I listened to the preacher. But if they go to the graduation party and after it's over, they say, what are you going to do? Man, I'm going to take two years and I'm just going to party hardy. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to sleep in. Come on. I'm going to continue sleeping in. I'll tell you, the voices that influence you, come on, stupid is. Yeah, yeah. It's not in the Bible, but it's pretty true so, uh, from far as gone. It's the voice of a fool, and the fool can wear a three-piece suit. A fool can be an advisor to the president. A fool can be a political advisor. A fool can have a radio talk show. A fool can be the elected, the head of the president of an organization. We'll explore it today. But I want to ask you a question. Who is influencing the way you think about today's hot-button issues? Who influences you about man-made global warming? Is it our fault? Should we go back to the Stone Age? I mean, we're being, I'll, I'll go into that a little more in a minute. But who's influencing you? Same-sex marriage. In Arkansas, a judge overturned the will of the people a few days ago. Who's influencing you? Who influences the judge? How about abortion? Who's influencing you? Uh, uh, living together. Maybe you love someone and someone told you, listen, you can save some money, you move in together. Everybody else is doing it, by the way. They didn't tell you that domestic violence is exponentially increased in situations like that. We don't hear that. We don't hear that the children tend to have greater difficulties later in life when mom and dad live together as opposed to when they're committed in a covenant of marriage. But somebody will give you that choice. And let me say this to you. Wherever you are on these issues, you're welcome here. I'll accept you wherever you are in life. I will do my best to preach the Bible to you in a way that is hopefully a humble way, an articulate way, and a biblical way, and hope that you'll align your life with the teaching of the Bible. Because there's not one smart person in this room today. Come on, Jesus is the smart guy. Jesus is the know-it-all, not me. And we are on a journey to try to find God's will in our life. And we want, and I hope when I bump up against some things, because I very much try to, to bring the Bible into the issues of our day. Because the issues of our day are colliding with the Bible regularly. And there are many that want to throw the Bible away. And this is a church, to the best of my ability, I will declare to you the whole counsel of God. So when we talk about, for example, uh, uh, who influences your thinking in terms of evolution and it being responsible, responsible for creating life as we know it today. Who influences your thought about the legalization of marijuana? It's coming. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it any different? There was a time when I used to think, well, God, it's God's plant. And because God grew it, it must be okay. I was listening to some other stupid stone person when I got... The movies we see, somebody's going to tell you, listen, you're getting ready to go out. There. Where are we going to go? We're going to the movies. What are we going to see? Boy, all these shows, 
I got to tell you, I just pretty much quit going to the movies because it's just hard for me. I, I, I typically get violated in the first minute or two. You know, it's just, it's just kind of hard. But it's almost just as hard watching TV at home. But who's going to influence what movie you're going to see? Who's going to help you with your boundaries? Uh, how about, should we go to church? Somebody's going to influence you. Uh, how about alcohol? Somebody's going to influence you there too. I mean, I, mean, I mean, all these subjects that are right in our faces, can I tell you, friends, the Bible has a voice in it. Somebody is going to talk to me. Let me say this. Everybody has an opinion, but not everybody has the right opinion. That's a tweetable moment. Everybody has an opinion, but not everybody has the right opinion. And if you listen to the voice of the right people, you're going to make the right choices. Now, let me take the next 20 minutes, and I want to talk to you about four qualities in people that I want to advise me. Four things going on in their life, four outlooks that they have, their values, their character. Here's the first one. I want to be influenced by people that have a biblical worldview. Number two, I want to be influenced by people that have biblical character. I mean, everybody has character. You know, even gangsters have ethics. They're gangster ethics and not Bible ethics, but everybody has ethics. I want somebody with Bible character would influence me. Number three, I want somebody that lives by Bible biblical priorities. And lastly, I want someone that cares for me and truly loves me. I want someone that has biblical love for me and cares about me as a person. So let's talk about those four things. A biblical worldview, biblical character, biblical priorities, and lastly, biblical love. Let's begin with the biblical worldview. A worldview, by definition, simply is our outlook on life. It is our outlook on life. It is the values that we have, be they based on the Bible or be they based on something else. Uh, There were some... Well, I'll talk about them in a second. Think back to the story on Rehoboam. Rehoboam and and the story of King Solomon's son, and he's sitting here about to make a decision to influence millions of people. Whose advice was more biblical? Now, who had the Bible worldview? Uh, The older men said, look, serve the people, lower their taxes. Everybody said? Lower their taxes and be concerned about the people. Care about them. Love them as a leader. But the younger guys said, make their burdens harder, treat them unfairly, and make them more ta- pay more taxes so you can live the lifestyle of the rich and famous. So which was more biblical advice and which tended to be more advice of the world? Sure, the older elders had the, the biblical advice. Now listen, friend, the best advice you'll ever get will come from people with a biblical worldview because they see it through God's eyes. 2 Timothy 3.16, it's a powerful scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God, which simply means God, under the inspiration by the Holy Spirit, inspired a man to write down thoughts about what was going on in a day. And he was almost like divine dictation. But the Bible says of itself that it's inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what's right. The Bible corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. Now, so if you take the Bible in some of these issues that we talked about, how about marijuana, be it legal or illegal, and has anyone in your circle ever told you that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? How about, how about the subject of abortion? We talk about it a lot because I believe we need to stand up for those who cannot stand for themselves. 
I believe the, the, the epitome of social justice today, not only biblically but in our world today, is that we care for those who cannot care for themselves. And the greatest need is the need of the unborn. I'm particularly confused and troubled by abortion in the African-American community. If I were an African-American, I'd be outraged. Let me tell you why. You know who started Planned Parenthood? Her name was Margaret Sanger. And you know why she started Planned Parenthood? Is she wanted to get rid of the black race. That's a true story. It's not hidden in some archaic journals. It's everywhere out there. She wanted to get rid of the black race. Is it any surprise to you that today the largest abortion clinics are in minority neighborhoods? Why is that? Do you realize that in some major cities today, more African-American children are aborted than are born? Now look, something is wrong in our society today. It is the wrong worldview. And here's what, what blows my mind. I don't understand, and perhaps you can send me an email and help me. How in the world can you foster a political party that is behind abortion that is trying to exterminate the race? I, 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 it's confusing to me. But the Bible somehow speaks into all these issues that are in the course of our day. I'm fully convinced that the reason that we have, we have bad laws being made in America today is because our politicians are listening to the wrong people. Let me say it again. The politicians are listening to the people with the wrong worldview. We have laws in America today that say, says boys can go to girls' bathrooms and girls' locker rooms if they feel like they're a girl. I'm talking about a boy by gender, by birth. If he feels like he's a she, in California, he has the right to go to a girl's restroom. And they're trying to do the same thing in Texas. Uh, we have, you, you're in Arkansas right now, you just stepped right into the national debate. A judge this week said, uh, said it is okay that men marry men in Arkansas. It's okay that women marry women. And again, as I said today, or let me make very clear, the sexual sins of the homosexual are no different than the sexual sins of the heterosexual. God has blessed the sexual expression in the Bible. Now, look, if you, don't, if you don't want the Bible, do what America does and throw it away. Just throw it away and cross your fingers in both of them and your legs that it's not true. Because if it's true, there's heap big problems with what's going on in the world today. See, we live in a world today that pretty much says sex with anybody anytime is great. You know, if you feel like it, go for it. And if anybody says uh, you shouldn't do it, we're going to come on the attack mode after them. But the Bible says that the sexual expression between a man and a woman is God's design. It's His design for, for not only uh, producing children, but for pleasure and to that, that which bonds uh, men and women to each other. I read recently a scientific uh, article about the fact that what's released, the endorphins, and in, in, in the, in the, in, what's released in your body, the chemicals, when you have sex with somebody, it bonds you to them. And it's intended for you to bond you for your spouse for the rest of your life. But when you sleep around, come on now, and I understand that lifestyle, and you sleep around, you're confused about who you're going to bond with. So, so why are we troubled when they we're divorced so often? Or we're married to this woman, and we wish we were married to that one because sex was better over there. And it's hard to have... Where does all that come from? It comes from an unbiblical worldview. And we have laws like this because our politicians are listening to the wrong voices. These same politicians tell us a, a, a teenager cannot thank God in a graduation speech for helping him. So what's wrong with America today? Listen, it's not very complicated. We've just gotten away from the Bible. 75 Gallup poll, recent poll, 75% of Americans believe that America is headed in the wrong direction. 
Well, the reason is, is we've thrown God's Word away, and now it's pretty much whatever we want or somebody tells us we want or the wrong voice kind of makes us believe. Preaching better than your amening this morning. Biblical worldview. The second kind of person I want to listen to is someone with biblical character. What does this mean? Biblical character. Character now refers to your ethics, your morals, your values. It defines who you are and how you behave. And everybody has ethics. They may not be biblical ethics. The, uh, uh, the report was suppressed, but somehow it came out that the Mexican drug cartel sent some, sent some uh, enforcers up to a, it was either Michigan, Minnesota, somewhere in the northern states because some young people, 19-year-olds, had ripped them off for two or $300,000 worth of drugs. And the ethics of that world was that you give me my drugs back or I'm going to shoot you or you just may give them back and I may shoot you anyway. Those are ethics. Now, they're not Bible ethics. That's what I'm saying. Everybody has ethics. There's ethics on the street. Listen, if you're living in the homeless community, you know who you can rip off and who you can't. Come on now. If you're in your neighborhood, the neighborhood pecking order, everybody's got ethics, but it doesn't mean they're all right. When I talk about Bible character, I'm talking about things like honesty, about keeping our word, about caring for other people, about hard work, about loving our neighbor. See, this is what defines the Christian view of life. Uh, Proverbs 10.9, uh, it, it uses the word integrity for character, but here's what it says. People with integrity walk safely. People with godly character walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. Proverbs 11.20, the Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but He delights in those with what? Integrity. So we got, listen, if you have a crooked heart, you're going to go down a crooked path. And if you're going to end up being a realtor, you're going to be a crooked realtor. You're going to omit things on reports. You're going to forget to tell people, you know, that there's a freeway coming in their backyard. Oops, because it affects my commission. You operate in a crooked worldview. I read this week there's even, I don't know if the law has been passed yet, but it's a push to where you don't have to disclose to your partner if you have AIDS. Because... Your rights is confused. We live in a world that calls wrong right and right wrong. Let me tell you a story. 1930s, Hitler and the Nazis. Now, let's think about character. Because whatever your character is, if you have situation ethics, and here's the modern ethic. Situation ethics says, whatever I have to say or whatever I have to do to get what I want, then that's okay. So if I have to tell you a lie to get something I want to make happen, that's okay. As opposed to there being an absolute standard, and that's what the Bible has been in America's history, an absolute standard of right and wrong. And when we got the commandments off the walls in the 60s, it was a way of saying, we don't want God telling us what to do. We're going to figure it out. So now our medical health professionals have had to redefine proper and improper behavior as we go in our culture. Well, it's the 30s. Think about character here. Hitler and the Nazis perpetuated centuries-old lies and blamed the Jews for all of Germany's problems. One of the things is that they did, and, and Hitler controlled the press. It's kind of scary in America today. He controlled the press, and he began to foster the lie that Germany lost World War I because of the Jews. And then they would even, even say things like from the Middle Ages. They said a lie that, that Jews would kill Christian babies... Mind you, now Germany has Lutheran Christians. 
Germany, uh, uh, the Jews kill Christian babies, take their blood and mix it with the unleavened bread for communion. Okay, so they were saying things like this so that they could get the death camps. They enacted a sweeping national policy known as the final solution, which sought to eliminate Jews from the face of the earth. Have you even stopped to think today about how did those death camps come into being? Well, listen, this was the demonic philosophy. Somebody listening to the wrong voice killed the Jews. Who do you think that was? Come on. It's the devil himself, the spirit of Antichrist. Using the Jews as a scapegoat, Hitler and his cronies orchestrated what they called the big lie. And this theory states that no matter how big the lie is, people will believe it if you repeat it enough. Everyone tells small lies, Hitler reasoned, but few people have the guts to tell colossal lies. I believe we're being told a colossal lie today under the guise of global warming. Man-made global warming. 800-page government report. But yet it's funded by people who get their grants from writing, come on, what we want to hear. Uh, unless I'm missing something, didn't we just have the coldest winter on record? And unless I'm missing something, isn't the ice in the Arctic region growing rather than shrinking? When they sent up the ship several months ago to prove to us that the Arctic ice was melting, didn't the ship get stuck up there because the ice was so thick? And if any scientists try to come out and disagree today, I'm talking about Nobel Prize scientists, if they come out in disagreement, they're shut down and they're just called stupid and belittled. So is it just possible that maybe they're trying to exercise more control? Because you're not going to, listen, in case you hadn't thought about this, we're not going to have a one world government and an antichrist unless we lose the sovereignty of America. America has to cease to be a one-world government. Well, that's something extra to think about out there. But I wonder if people are lying to me or telling me the truth. Hitler reasoned few people have guts to tell colossal lies because a big lie is so unlikely people will come to accept it. And that's why millions of Jews went to death camps like Auschwitz. Now, I suggest to you the same thing will happen to us if we believe people who lack biblical character. If you find yourself in an unwanted pregnancy, it happens. And let me say this, if you get pregnant out of wedlock, we will love you in this church. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll say, I'm so glad that you're pregnant, you know, being 15 years old. But we will love you as a person, and we'll help that baby have a happy life as that child comes in this world, and I'll dedicate that baby. I will teach you to live a sexually chaste life. But come on, how many know when sinners sin, God wants forgiveness and reconciliation and repentance? But somebody else is going to tell you, listen, it'll ruin your life. That's why we have in America the woman's right to choose. Just because we have a right in the law doesn't make it right in the eyes of God. You're getting quiet on me out there. Women have a right to choose. It's just fetal material that can feel pain, by the way. I think it's 12 weeks or 20 weeks. But that's what circulates out there, and it's said to be a very kind thing. Who, who's going to influence you? How about this one? If you like your health plan, you can keep it. If you like your doctor, you can keep it. It's going to cost less. How could we ever have believed that hiring tens and tens of thousands of IRS enforcers would give us better health care? And I'll tell you what troubles me deeply. It troubles me deeply that our leadership knew this 
that it wasn't going to happen, but continued to say it publicly so we would go along. How, how does this happen? How does it happen? A judge in Arkansas this past week, when he, in his, uh, in, in his uh, order, he said no one in Arkansas was harmed by 456 marriage licenses issued to same-sex couples. I suggest to you everyone in Arkansas was harmed because when we call wrong right and right wrong, it's a harm to the people and a harm to the nation. It's just a greater harm to when adultery happens, we say it's no big deal. It's as great a harm when in, in our society today when we say it's okay to live together and not be married. It's no big deal. All these things do great harm because they lack biblical character. And the people that speak to us, listen, for me to tell you the truth today doesn't mean that I'm a, a hate monger. It just means that somebody loves me enough to tell me the truth. Well, for me, when I make choices, I'm looking for someone with biblical character. Now, let me lighten it up a second. Would you give me extra five minutes today? Extra five minutes? Who give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20. That's all I need right there. If you got, how many sit around dreaming about getting a million dollars or five million dollars? Come on, let me see your hand here. Come on. You just have this little dream that goes through your head. The rest of you people, God bless you in your poverty, but for all of us that have these multi-million dollar aspirations in the middle of the night, because I just know that your dream is like mine. I mean, you'd get we'd, a bunch of land, and it would have big turkey leases on it, and it would, I could go turkey hunting, and, and it would have places for duck hunting. I mean, I mean, it would all be set up. There'd be two cabins, yours and mine. I mean, I know all this is a part of your dream. But if you did get a million dollars, and it comes in your hand... What priorities do your friends have? I mean, if you got in the car and getting ready to go out and say, dude, you'll never believe what happened to me today. My uncle, my uncle Rex in Alaska, he discovered gold. I didn't know I had an Uncle Rex. He's dead. And the lawyer from uh, Alaska called me and said, I'm going to get $5 million. And the guy next to you, his eyes get big. And he said, Vegas, baby, I'll drive. I'm in. And the guy in the back seat, party hardy. We're about to have fun. We're never going to have to work again. I'm telling you, people will influence you. What if you had a friend that had biblical priorities and you told them that and they said something like this, $5 million? Do you realize the tithe on that could just about build the buildings we're trying to build that will reach more people? Or they said something like this, hey man, I read this cool tweet. It's from Pastor Jay in Haiti. They're in trouble down there, man. He's got $30,000 of food to feed. It's a true story. To feed Haitian kids. Uh, you know, we collect the little cans and the change. He's got $30,000 worth of food to feed those kids. But the Haitian government, because it's corrupt, it's going to cost him $10,000 to get those things loose so he can get rid of them. He said, man, you could just, that's a penny of your $5 million. And you could think of all the amazing things you could do. Now, isn't it incredible that what will rise in your heart, come on, $5 million, Here's what this person would do. It would feed on your greed. And it would want you to be selfish and indulgent and spend it all on yourself and him because he's giving you advice. But the person with biblical priorities would help you see that there's a bigger world out there and God's given you something that you can make a huge difference in the world. Let somebody with biblical priorities influence you because they'll direct you in the right way. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. Didn't Jesus tell us this? Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, 
and I'll take care of you with everything else. Now, Jesus didn't say, give everything you have to God. Jesus said, just put God first. And that's why I want people to influence me to be God-first people. How about you? Yeah. Let me wrap it up here. The fourth one, biblical love. I I want someone to really care about me. And let me say this. The way I know you really care about me is not what you say, but it's what you do. When I was in high school, and I'd gone to high school in a couple towns or to school in a couple towns, college in a third one, I thought I had probably 300 friends. Like today, you have 2,000 Facebook friends. Yeah, uh uh-huh. You just do something and see how quickly you get unfriended. Of those 300, I had three or four friends and a whole bunch of acquaintances. Let me tell you two things a friend will do. A friend, number one, will care enough to confront me when I'm headed in the wrong direction. A friend will confront me. Uh, What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, I'll tell you. Proverbs 27, 6, it says, The slap of a friend can be trusted to help you. Go ahead and practice that right now. The slap of a friend. Not too hard. The rebuke of a friend can be trusted to help you, but the kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. Imagine you're having lunch. Okay, well, let's say we're having lunch. A couple guys out, and you leave your phone up on the table, and uh, you went to wash your hands. And uh, all of a sudden, your phone lights up, and being the concerned, curious person that I am, I kind of look around and see what it is, and somebody's just sent you a nudie picture. They're sexting to you. Now, what do I do if I'm a friend? Come on now, I don't send myself the picture. That's perverse, okay? (laughs) But if I am your friend and you come back, which, by the way, you're married and it was not your wife, and you come back and uh, your your friend says, hey, what's up? I said, hey, man, you got a message here. You might want to check it out. Okay, what was it? Oh, I wasn't nothing. Now, look, it was two nothings on there. I said, it was a little bit more than nothing because I saw what it was. And I said, look, man, you're my friend, and you're going to destroy your marriage if you don't quit this. Your children will grow up without a daddy if you don't quit this. And statistically, if you get divorced, you're never going to have as much money as you had if you, if you hung together in the first place. And what you're doing, man, is wrong. Now, look, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I want to help you, and you need to cut this off in your life. That's what a friend does. A friend catches you before you go off the edge. Let me tell you what else a friend does, and I'll close with this. A friend loves me even when I mess up. Now, let me, let me, I'll just summarize the story rather than reading it. A friend loves me even when I mess up, because here's the deal. Every one of us mess up in life. We just all do. And usually what happens in life is your friends run away from you. You want to find that to be the case? Just put on some orange clothes and get on the front page of the Gazette. <laughs> They're gone, man. Remember the story in the Bible that shows what real love is. It's the story of the prodigal son. Here's a story. There were two brothers. They were both knuckleheads, but the one knucklehead brother said, Hey, Daddy, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait. And under Jewish law, Dad gave him that. Dad was a picture of God, and the young boy was a picture of us. Well, this boy, he goes out, and he wasted his daddy's money in wild living, and then he's broke. He drove to Vegas in a limo, and now, come on, he didn't even, he didn't even have bus fare. He didn't have any place to live. He's living on the street. The Bible says he's feeding the pigs, and he came to himself. What that simply means is he reached the bottom. And sometimes if we really love somebody, we have to allow them to reach the bottom rather than bailing them out all the time and enabling them. But he reached the bottom in life. And when he reached the bottom, he said, I'm going back home to my daddy. And it's an incredible thing what this daddy did. It's a picture of God, but it also should be a picture of us for people that turn and repent. 
His daddy, when he saw him a long way off, you know what the Bible said daddy did? He ran to him. And all the while, this kid's saying, I'm not worthy to be your son. I've sinned. And it's all true. But you know what? Love goes through that truth. And love says, I love you anyway. I'm not happy with what you did, but I will love you. Come on, because we're in a covenant relationship together. And that's what friends do to each other. When friends do something dumb and stupid, a real friend that loves you, that has biblical love, come on, will keep on loving you and not throw you away. Give the Lord a good hand today. I'm, I'm done today. Well, listen, a lot of things we talked about today, it's all online. You can pick it up, listen to it, download the notes. But here's what I want for me and what I hope you want for you is I want the kind of people to influence my life, to speak in my ear, that have a biblical worldview, that have biblical character, that have biblical priorities, and biblical love. That's how I want influence in me. Why don't you stand to your feet today? We're going to have a closing song and prayer. And as you stand to your feet, I, I just want to ask you this question. Who are you listening to? And if you're listening to the wrong people, what are you going to do? Just bow your head just a moment and as he just sings a short chorus and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Would you just say that? Holy Spirit, just speak to me. Who's influencing me? Jesus, be the center of my life. From beginning to the end. It will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Just slip your hand to heaven. Nothing but you, Lord. Nothing Jesus, else matters. Jesus, you're the center. Everything revolves around you, Jesus, you. Welcome, Holy Spirit. I just pray now, Lord, that you would just quicken in all of us if there's relationships that we need to get out of. If it's a, a voice we need to turn off. If it's a radio we need to turn off, a TV we need to, whatever it is. But if somebody's influencing us in the wrong direction. Help us say yes to you right now and find the right voices in Jesus' name. Hey, I want to close with a personal prayer with you in just a moment, as we always do. We give one last opportunity for personal prayer. Maybe there was something in the message that deeply touched you or someone you really care about and you want to pray over that. Maybe there's one of these relationships of influence, but you're so tangled in it, you don't know how to get out and you don't know what to do. Can I tell you, God knows. And that's what we'd like to pray about. But we'll pray for anything. But the biggest prayer I'd like to pray with you today, if you're here today and say, Pastor, is, well, I need to get right with God. I, I need to start listening to God's voice. And when I say listen to God's voice, I don't mean it's something you hear with this ear, but it's something every Christian understands. When I was 19 years of age, I, I heard something calling me, if I can use the word, pulling me. And it was pulling me towards God. It was giving me a desire to read the Bible. It was giving me a desire to begin to follow God and begin to serve God. Now, can I tell you, that's a voice you always need to listen to. See, what happens, Adam and Eve sold us into sin and got us in a mess. And Jesus is trying to call us out of sin to follow him. Jesus is trying to tell us, I want to forgive your sins. Jesus is trying to tell us, I want to give you the gift of eternal life. But you have to follow me. You have to listen to his voice. And something I didn't understand as a boy, I didn't know that I had to make a step to Christ. 
I didn't know that I had to literally receive Christ as my Savior. But when I said yes to that voice, it changed my life forever and it can change yours. And if what you're hearing today, if you say, Pastor, I need God's forgiveness. I'm ready to surrender my life to follow Christ. I want Jesus to be first. I want you to pray for me. If that's you, let us pray for you this morning. Say, Pastor, I want to get my life right with God. Just slip your hand up real quickly. Let me know who you are. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to get my life right with God. God bless you, dear. God bless you. Somebody else, pray for me. Anybody else this morning? Somebody else, give them a hand. Anybody else? Somebody over here. God bless you. I see your hand. Somebody else, pray for me. Come on, pray for me. I want to get my life right with God. All right, praise the Lord. You that lifted your hand, somebody up front, come on up and let us just pray for you right now. Come on, you lifted your hand. Let us pray for you. Give him one more big hand today. You lifted your hand. So I want to give my life to Christ. I want to get my life right with God. Come on up. Bring your friend with you. That's it. Come on up. Give him a big hand today. Give him a big hand. I want to get my life right with God. I want to get my life right with God. I want to get my life right with God. Jesus is happy for you, dear. He's happy for you. He's happy for you. Come on over. Let me tell you why we ask people to come to the front. I, I know it's a little embarrassing, but we don't want to embarrass you. But here's something I know. If you can't come forwards to say yes to Jesus in front of a bunch of people when they're clapping their hands, you'll never do it out in the world. That's why we get baptized in water and do those things because we're beginning to follow Christ. And there's going to be some people right over here to meet with you, to talk with you, and pray with you. But I'm just so very, very proud of you today. It's the right choice. Give them one more big hand. God bless you, girl. Just go right over to the cross. Somebody will be there. Our prayer team is coming around the altar right now. One last song, and we'll be dismissed. If you wanted a closing prayer, you come up and let us pray for you. I love you very much. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do.